You're listening to the Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about all things tech. I'm joined by my fellow presenters, Paul Armstrong, who's author of Disruptive Technologies. Hi, Paul. Hello. Have you been in the UK um, just recently, or have you still jetting about? I was in Venice for uh, a nice little weird speaking up, but that was good. Uh, But I saw some Venice startups which are trying to do some environmental um, work with that area. It's very bizarre. I've never been there before. Heard the stories, but then you see, yeah, because you see the environmental degradation Mm. that's happening, and you kind of go. Wow, you've got some problems to solve. Yeah. Well, yeah. basically, your whole city's, those out. Yeah. Yeah, whole city's <laughs> sinking. Yeah, little things, you know. How are you going to solve that with but, tech? Yeah. I'm not sure. But. Just an interesting one, like people were scanning art to keep it, because um, it's de- degrading with some of the right. humidity and that sort of stuff. So just some really interesting people doing some interesting stuff. But, yeah, it's sunny, because it, it was really sunny over here. It was really sunny, but then one night, this uh, almost an air raid siren, because I've been primed to think air raid when I hear siren, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it came, and I said, I, no, I didn't, there was no announcement, there was no words, it was just like... Wah. And um, I found down to the reception and said, like, what's that about? And uh, she went, oh, it, we always get that. It's just like when there's a high tide, we're probably going to flood tonight. Hmm. And so really? you, she goes, you can go out. She goes, but after nine o'clock, we don't guarantee you can get back. <laughs> and I went, oh, OK, that's good. not in the tourist books that I read. But no. OK, yeah. Oh. So it was quite funny. But um, yeah, so my last night there was me and Netflix, which was great. <laughs> Lovely. So I was like, I've got an early start, better get back to the hotel. Yeah. Is, well, I've never been to Venice, actually. Yeah. So maybe it's I beautiful. should go it's before it disappears forever. I would, I would recommend mm. it, yeah, unless you want an underwater experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also joined by Sarah Luxford of Tech London Advocates. Hello. Hello. What How have you we? been up to? I haven't seen you for a while. Oh, I know you've been busy, busy, busy. Yeah, busy, busy, busy preparing some of the women in tech workshops that we've got going on. So being able to respond uh, to the gender pay gap, uh, really getting under the the skin of uh, actually what's truly going on, truly being felt. I feel that a lot of corporates are still tick boxing. Um, Yeah, I do. So, So are they are they sort of giving us the truth? Do you think are they pretending? There's a lot of fluff. I think. Is that pretending? Yes. So they're lying then, some of them. Well, I wouldn't go. I, I, oh, I would say... If they're pretending, um, they are, aren't they? In, in some cases, I think. Obfuscating? <laughs> I love that word. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really serious issue, actually. I don't think corporates have quite realised how important this is. And I think they're going to find out in the next couple of months when women start marching with their feet. Yeah, because I think for me, I, I know that the media love it all because it makes a great story. Mm. Um, it's actually it's actually a complicated issue, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure I actually like that measure. But whether you like the measure or not, it's getting it out into the open. And I think that we have got a bit of a you know a lack of talent in some areas. You know, um, shortage. I meant sorry, not lack, not a lack of. So shortage of talent. And, and those people um, inside a company that can see that there's a gender pay gap might not be saying anything because women often don't, but they are going to they're, they're go somewhere else. That's your view. Yeah, no, I do think that. Um, I think uh, the way that the reporting has been communicated to employees um, hasn't been well thought out. No. Um, people are just getting an in, uh, you know, an, email, an email in their inbox. Yeah, great. Uh, no, uh, no explanation, no commitments, no milestones, no timelines. Um, and that's what's uh, really riling a lot of individuals, let alone that, uh, you know, the, the, the actual evidence through the stats themselves. So, so what they're saying is, you know, this is our gender pay gap. There you go, chaps. We've ticked that box. Exactly. Not, not saying... We reported on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, yeah, we've done what we're supposed to. And, and they're not sort of saying, 
you know, oh, this is a surprise to us and, mm-hmm. we're, and, and look, we're going to look at it or we'll get a staff forum together and see how we can tackle it. And, you know, nothing positive. It's not utilised- and, and obviously we're not saying everybody's like that, but, but some. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just not utilising the data for good. Um, you know, they're not actually getting grabbing hold of their data and making sure that they're doing something positive with it. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the piece that's really lacking amongst uh, a yeah. lot of these responses. Because I think the best. I think any corporate, um, if you if you are presented with something difficult, you can either ignore it or you can try and see it as an opportunity. Mm. And you could even if you've, you've got some difficult figures to say, you could view that as an opportunity to really involve your staff couldn't you you know and 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 and, and use it as a, as, a, as a benefit going forward as because it's the facts are the facts opportunity absolutely mm. i mean the first sake um the first stage is awareness mm. and once you've got that then can follow action and then you've got advocacy that follows after that too so mm. um uh, this is an incredible opportunity for corporates to really knuckle down and include their employees on their journey and really make a dis- difference one thing that i noticed from a lot of the stuff that came out and a lot of people that were talking to me about it was two two really clear things. Number one, many people don't feel comfortable referring their friends into their businesses, which says a lot about the business. Mm -hmm. And then number two is if you do refer them into the business, the like... the recognition, whether that's financial or public or anything like that, she goes, it's close to pointless. So it's kind of like that they really need to look at those scenarios and go, well, are we doing anything to do this? Or is it like, say, a badging exercise? But what if you do suddenly get an influx of women and that sort of stuff? Mm. You know, how are you going to do it? Like, what's the actual first practical steps that you need to do that? Mm. You know, you can't just like stack the deck because you'll, you know, lots of people may not want to go and work there. You've got to like fix also that core thing of getting yeah. people like getting to what them to want there to work there and that sort of stuff but well it'd be very interesting so so the figures have come out the media have loved that and then then the media now walk away won't they and pick on something else donald trump probably um and then uh, but there is going to be a fallout which 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 is going to happen for months and months and months afterwards in your view yeah absolutely well 75 it was over 75 percent of all companies pay males more than females the thing for me is in a way i i just i sort of i want to say I wouldn't say I was going to accept it. The thing that really makes me upset is when you've got doctors who, you know, male and female, they're all trained the same, mm. you know, whatever, and then there's a massive disparity between, you know, what doctors or lawyers yeah. get paid between male and female because it's inexcusable. But my worst thing, the thing that I get really upset about is this bonus. You know, when there's a disparity about bonuses, well, mm. that's that's surely there's no excuse for that. That should be as close to... You know, 50-50 as possible, shouldn't it? Absolutely, I agree. And uh, it's one of the key issues that we're trying to uh, tackle within TLA Women in Tech. Instead of now, um, you know, we've done our piece and we will continue to do it to a certain extent of providing the advice on how and what to do, um, particularly with the recent Tech Talent Charter. I know Debbie's Mm. been on here before and talked about that, which is great, um, which essentially is the best practice recommendations for um, hiring and, and development of diverse talent. Uh, but now it's about actually supporting and rallying our advocates in order to give them the tools that they need to be able to either um, phrase a conversation that's going to drive positive action with their employers um, or um, be able to create a community group where they do feel supported and listened to because I think that's half of the half of the battle actually being heard I just don't think that companies or um, whether small, medium or, or large are really um, giving this 
the, the concentration and attention that it's Because I don't think they're realising the impact, no, as, no, as you've no, just described. Um, and I think, that, oh, that's done now. I can put that, I'll file that in a drawer. Um, but it's I do think it's going to hurt over next year. And the interesting thing is that when we've been going out to um, corporates to ask if they'd be open to coming along and um, speaking um, to our advocates, they're turning us down. You have to be joking. No, I'm not. Um, It's it's been a real issue for us. And uh, what we're hearing is that because it's still so sensitive, the companies are still trying to figure out what their proper, in inverted commas, response is to Mm. the community. I'm hoping we'll hear more of it during London Technology Week. But Mm. um, in in the meantime, uh, if you're out there, please contact us. Uh, We really want to hear from you. We want to hear about your examples. We want to hear about what you're going to do. If you're struggling, then surely you you do want to see what other people are doing and and get, you know, know, employees just like you, you know, how are you dealing with it? Is there some tips that you can give me? Exactly. Shared knowledge and collaboration. It's it's extremely key. And how are we going to learn? And we're not saying that everybody has to start off excellently. That, that, that's not the point here. The point is that it's taking the next steps. It's learning from each other, understanding what the key issues are, and then putting solutions in mm. place. Mm. It's not rocket science, yeah. with respect. There's and a massive opportunity, though, isn't there, for some recruitment agent to just go, right, I'm going to get on Ada's list. I'm going to get on this and this and this. I'm going to form a new business. And this is literally pay me some money. And you could go through that. I think that's a really interesting opportunity for someone to really grab the ball by the horns and make some change some and Sarah, quite quick change as well absolutely so sarah if this if this company's listening whatever where can they go to to to, to pick up on some of the things that you're doing um for yeah TLA? Um, head to tlawomenintech.org uh, that's our that's website n- yeah but that's not just you know it's not just for females it's, it's actually how everybody you know tackles this issue absolutely whilst we're called women tla women in tech it's uh, very much inclusive in fact we're 37 percent men and uh, trying to get that up to 50 so we really want our man ambassadors to to come along with the ride with us man ambassadors very good so we've got two um we've, we're carried away on that we've got two um lovely guests with us we've got perry ashby from urban network and lucy smith from digital grads um perry just uh, for your company urban network um come on then tell us <laughs> good morning. What do you do, Perry? So, so, but but you know what? What's the makeup of your business? Um, naturally, I would imagine. I'm scared to say it now. Obviously, um, we're, we're if I look on on um, the women in tech, we we've been pushing it quite a bit. We've been trying to get uh, female technicians so on the technical side of our business in there since day one. We're, we've been running for 15 years. And to say it's impossible would be an understatement in that it's, it's been incredibly difficult to get females into the technical side of our business. Every time we've seen a, a CV of a, tech, uh, of a female tech come across, we've pounced on it because we, we've wanted our, our business has been quite male orientated. Mm. And it's a pure reflection of our industry as well, mm. without a doubt. Because Sarah, only 17 percent, is that right, of women are in digital, which is currently. Yeah. And that yeah, stayed that stayed static for a number of years now. It's not to be fair. It's not the, moving the re- anywhere. I think it's gone down actually. The research hasn't been done, um, and mm. I think we need a new report. Uh, the mm. last report, I think, it was back in twenty fourteen. Mm. Mm. So, so obviously, I, 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 we, I hear that a lot from from small digital companies. Please, girls, apply. In, indeed, it, it is difficult. We um, we're, we're part of our industry body called CompTIA, and they run a number of initiatives around this. Um, one of them is advancing women in tech, and that's a global initiative, and they've had great results, and they're, they're continuing to improve every year on, on, excuse me, on their successes of what they're doing. 
Um, there, there's also a secondary initiative, which is diversity in the workplace. Um, CompTIA is, albeit a global organization, it runs um, out of the US, and diversity there means slightly different to what uh, we would see in the UK, but it, it still does cr cross that boundary, and uh, mm. diversity to us, uh, especially if you're London or any metropolitan area, diversity is a way of life, it's just the way it is, um, whereas I, I see diversity in exactly the way that you're seeing it, so it's, it's entirely in my industry, it, it's more a male-female sort of split that we need to address more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your company, Urban Network, um, and what you actually do. And then I've got loads of questions. Yeah, love, love. <laughs> loads you. of questions yeah. for you. So uh, Urban Network's been around since 2003. So we're, we're 15 years old is where we are. And we're a business to business. So we, we deliver IT solutions and services to any businesses, to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter the size of the industry. Everyone understands technology. Everyone needs technology to carry out their own day-to-day -day activities. Um, we we started off fairly small, just delivering IT support, which is what everyone needs, uh, the usual help desk mentality that, that progressed fairly quickly into a proactive side to try and, try and stabilize the IT. Instead of being reactionary, you try and be proactive and, and deliver a service to stabilize any of the computers really or any of the systems that you use so that your your business or your business or the staff within your business are more productive um i must say in in the sort of the last sort of five six years the majority of it has been focused around keeping them secure keeping them safe and that there's 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 num a number of ways that you need to address that uh, the press helps us no end you, you can't go a day uh, <laughs> you know the, the, in the last year at least you can't go a day without someone talking to you about a data breach and yeah. it, it, i know everyone sees that as it's a big company's problem it, it so isn't and I'll, I'll happily elaborate on on that mm. but it, it, it just isn't at all so so small businesses um uh you know can get a data breach um can you give us a couple examples of, of how that manifests itself you know, oh, yeah, some vivid the, examples okay i'll keep it short um that the reality is small businesses are more at risk of data breach than large businesses um Larger businesses have an awful lot more technical ability or technical resources to mm. to address or you know reduce the risk of the, of that 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 breach. Small businesses don't have that at all. So when a breach happens, give us an example of a breach. What, what, okay, what um, might that breach be? of very generic terms. So a, a very simple um, example of a breach would be uh, ransomware. I don't know if you've heard of ransomware. So someone would receive an email with an attachment. They'd open that attachment. It's fairly fairly innocuous attachment open that attachment either immediately or within a period of time that's downloaded something from, from the internet, some code, started to slowly change all of the files that you have access to. And the way it's just encrypting them, the same sort of encryption that banks or ATMs would use to transmit data from A to B, it's quite high level encryption. And the only way to unencrypt it is to get the, the crypto key to, to unencrypt that. And all they do is encrypt all your files and then pop up, a, uh, change your background on your, your PC or something, or put a screen up there saying, if you want your files back, please pay this ransomware, and it's typically a digital currency, sort of Bitcoin or some mm. some other currency, and get it back. And there's, there's no real guarantee that you're going to get that, that back. Um, or, or what somebody's done with it in the meantime. Absolutely. With that, yeah. I mean, at the moment, the majority of them do not take that data off of where it is. They simply encrypt it so that okay. you don't have access to it. So, and that... You know, on a small business, it's devastating. You know, mm. it, it, it can result in you closing your doors, and it, you know, it's quite mm. a quite a major 
That's given me the shivers already. I mean, just even thinking about it. So, so somebody has a data breach or, or, or something. Let's say, for example, it goes even further than that and the whole business shuts down. You cannot trade because something's happened. It Absolutely. could be you've had a fire or it could be something like ransomware and you, you can't get out of it. Can you explain to me what business continuity is? Because every business should have a business continuity plan in that, in, in, otherwise, I, I can't remember what the stats are, but it's something ho- horrific, like three quarters of people have gone through that, actually the business ends up folding. It's, it's something uh, awful. Yeah, it's so, 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 so what can you put in place? So business continuity should be, in, uh, or business continuity planning should be in mm. everyone's. Uh, and it, it's not just the, from the examples we're saying of catastrophic, have access to no data. It can simply be your primary place of work is not available anymore. Yeah. Therefore, you need to have a plan B, whatever that plan B may be. Um, in in my world, business continuity is ensuring that you have a second set of data that you can recover from, albeit in your primary place of business or in a secondary place of business, which may just be in the cloud somewhere that you remote access to. So, so just to stop you there before we go on to the next bit, if, if you've got um, if you've got provider who, who looks after you, all your stuff and um, they're hosting that for you in the cloud, in a way that's great because that's that secondary place where it's sitting and it's safe. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, other than the company having it or just organising it itself? Yeah, the, the primary place of your data doesn't matter if it's on within your office on-premise or if it's in the cloud. It, it's still your primary source of where your yeah. data is. And it's still susceptible no matter what yeah. either of those locations. If for any reason you lose access to that or it's encrypted, as the example we explained earlier, then you need a plan to get it back. Get it back, yeah, yeah. restore that. But if you've got an IT provider like you, surely you would you, you keep that safe for me, that I'm making that massive assumption here. It, it's a very big assumption, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you if you looked at a client base of urban network, we, we would always talk about that we want to keep your data safe. This is what you need to do. Obviously, there's a cost associated to that, and some companies will balance or measure up between the risk and and the cost, and choose the risk. In that instance, well, it's exactly this. It's pretty hairy. It's it's a it's the wrong decision, but for sure. But it's it's a decision that's made day in day out. We see it all mm-hmm. the time, and it's only when the event happens that they. They, they understand the late. conversation we had yeah. with them. Yeah, it's too late. So what you're suggesting is, um, I know for my business, we, we have an IT provider. Uh, they they host our stuff and, you know, that's secure. And I can't remember, it's every couple of hours or something. So so we we'd only ever lose, you know, an hour or two hours worth of, of you know, of, of transactional data or whatever sure. it is. And, and they can always retrieve it for us. And uh, But that's what you need. It's almost like a bunker where you, where, where you can house stuff for people and whatever happens, it's going to be there and you've kept it safe. Yeah, that, that's exactly what you need. The, the last bit of that is don't don't always trust what your provider's saying. Uh, mm. Ask them to run test invocation of that plan. At least test it once a year at minimum, if not much more regularly than that, and prove that your your outsourced provider can can achieve what you're, you've been sold and what you've been told can happen. But more importantly, your own staff as well. They need to know what happens if an event like that occurs. So you, you need to run these fire drills yeah. so that it becomes normal that they know when it happens, this is where we transition and this is how we access So it. if, for example, we were to say, right, um, if this happens in our business, everybody needs to work at home for a period, la, 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 you need to try that out, is what you're saying. And yeah. like, other, uh, people might not know that's what the default mechanism is because you're not told anybody. <laughs> exactly that. And, and uh, from you running these fire drills and running these tests, mm. you, you can create documentation of this is how we do it. 
yep. everyone becomes used to it everyone knows please don't save that document in the same place where all the other documentation is save it in an alternate location that's not within your business environment mm -hmm. so that's your go-to safe box for, for want of a better word and that's not just that that's phones that's all sorts isn't it it's everything really everything yeah oh, uh, me for, for obviously phones these days with, with the, the, uh, the rise of the mobile phone most people can access phones or you know call but me if on my got, mobile. If you've got a reception though, you, you've obviously got a you know an 0800 number or something. You, you need everybody needs to know how that's going to work in in and you need a crisis. Yeah, yeah the, 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 these sort of numbers are uh, these days are fairly easy to move divert them to mm -hmm. an alternate location. But you need to have a few steps or a, a plan of that is what we do when when the event happens, and it all comes down to planning. Paul, is that making you shudder? A little bit. A little bit. I think um, I, I remember reading a lot of these stories when um, the flooding happened a while back and a lot of agencies, um, their, their whole buildings were flooded in some um, instances and they started figuring out like, oh yeah, we're lean, we're agile, but actually we have no plan mm. and that sort of stuff. And it can be as simple as flooding in a room where your servers are kept all the way through to, you know, theft and uh, everything else in that sort of... Um, for some reason the door well. won't open <laughs> to your office. <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. Or, or yeah. you know, or the landlord's done yeah. something, or it could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this whole yearly testing thing because I, no, think, I think I need a to lot of this. people are uh, yeah. um, nonchalant about these things, aren't they? And then you know they'll hear someone and they go, oh, "Yeah, I should do that," you know, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. So yeah. So disaster recovery uh, then has to happen. So so you should plan for business continuity. You know, make sure everything carries on as as much as normal as possible. Um, disaster recovery. If you are in that position where oh my god, everything's gone. Uh, and my IT provider hasn't quite done what I thought, or I never put that in place. What can you do, Perry? Is there anything at all that you can do? If the data's not secure in any way, um, or, no. you, or you haven't planned for it, it it's yeah, you're you're, you're in you're trouble. Stuffed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely in in trouble. You always have to plan for this before the, the event happens. And, and that could be client databases, it could be phone numbers of people, it could it be could your be whole anything. email system, if, it, could, it could be anything. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you understand there, if, if, you, if you're in that position where, especially in a ransomware, your, your data's been encrypted, you're actually in a data breach. So come one month from now, when we, we hit May the 25th and GDPR, then you've only got 72 hours to report that breach as well. And it's a, a legal requirement that you report that breach. There, there's a cascade of events that can occur simply because you and you have to report that breach because you're holding people's personal data yeah, absolutely yeah yeah uh, and you will always be holding personal data if you're a business of you know more than one employee or even one employee you're holding mm. personal data so it, it will fall in scope lucy i'm just looking at you have you got yours sorted i'm blooming going back to the office tomorrow and thinking right we're gonna, oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a practice no i mean Three months in business, really. So um, it's not the first thing you think of, and you probably should. Um, yeah, but build yeah. that into your yeah. uh, startup plan, should, yes. shouldn't you, really? So can I wander on to the... Um, some people say it's boring, but actually I think it's going to have a profound effect. The, the GDPR uh, that we're all facing. Uh, is it May the something we've got to crack May, on with it? May the 25th, absolutely. May the 25th. So we've all got about, you know, three, four weeks to go. Um, GDPR, what's what's your recommendation that, that, that people should do in order to... Well, um, d do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah, it is, it's a, the Nike advert. Just do it. Um, mm. Don't shy away from it. It's not as daunting as you think, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, m most of these, if you're holding data, you should already have a, an understanding of where that data is and what that data is. It's A lot of it's common sense. 
there are unfortunately still some grey areas within within all of this regulation, mm. and I feel the ICO, uh, like the Information Commissioner's Office, haven't done a great job of getting getting that information into the wider community, and therefore there, there's a lot of people out there that are giving false information about mm. it. You've got lots of companies believing it's an, solely an IT issue, and, and it's not. And it's not. It's no. procedural. It's mm. it's absolutely from an operational point of view. There are technical controls that you need to have in place to ensure that you have done some you know, duty of care around the data you're holding. Yeah. But the majority of it isn't mm. a technical solution. It, it's an operational. Now, Sarah, apart from doing 500 million other things to do with tech and, and women and, all, you know, in tech and campaigning and trotting down to number 10 and all that, um, you're in recruitment. How's it affecting your business in terms of GDPR? Because that's you holding a lot of data about people, aren't you? Not just their names and addresses, but like yeah. personal stuff. Yeah, no, so it's really, really I'm really dumping you in it here. No, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm looking into it now. Um, <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, particularly from the recruitment industry at the moment, what we're hearing is that recruitment agencies are almost having to shut down their databases and start again. And the reason for that is that there are so many notes or files um, which may have some comments that perhaps shouldn't should necessarily be there. Um, well, they should and be What there. like? <laughs> well, they should be there, but you don't want people to see them. I think that's what you mean. So, so somebody yeah. could be a candidate. So I'm not going to allow you to say this in case you get yourself into trouble. But somebody could have rocked up for an interview and there could be, I don't know, they've got chronic BO and they're useless, they can't, you know, whatever. And you've written some you know, horrible notes about them. Is it that sort of thing you, you may be talking about? So, of course, I would never do that. But, yes, there, there, could, there could potentially be something like that. And, and we've seen it time and time again, unfortunately, particularly the cowboy-type uh, recruiters. Um, what, but, what, but you have to write notes about interviews. You, you know, that's yes, the whole point of what yeah, you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. But um, the, the candidate would need to be informed. Um, and Brilliant. <laughs> Um, and and it, it essentially being able to, um, you know, you, you have to have their approval um, to have their details um, logged in onto your site as well as clients. And, and from what I understand, um, uh, individuals can uh, request information about them or um, see, yeah, and, and, and see text messages, emails, um, any type of com communication. It can extend to WhatsApps. Uh, Skype messages. So you could say, don't you dare send me a person like that again, and they'd have to release it. Yes. <laughs> Pretty cool, eh, Paul? I'm fully supportive of that system, no. actually. I'm, yeah, 100% transparency. If you mm. wouldn't say it to the face, you probably shouldn't write it in a database. But yeah, possibly. So, so because yeah. there's so much data, what you're suggesting is actually a lot of them going, oh, there's so much to deal with. Actually, why don't we just start again? Yeah, it's freaking a lot And, of and have a policy and mm. make sure everybody knows and then actually start from scratch. Absolutely. I mean, when it's so, um, it, it is so data orientated and it's so mm. personal as well. Um, you have Has to, to be, be so careful. Mm. Um, I, I know um, at uh, at our company at the moment uh, we're going through the database, uh, you know, with a um, with a tooth comb uh, and making sure that everything is done uh, compliantly mm. and efficiently. I, I have to say, actually, it's probably the first time I've, I've been really surprised to see just how in depth 
they've really taken it and I think uh, hats off to them actually uh, but from other recruitment agencies that I know um, they're certainly happy mm. to just uh, start again start again um, I, I know for my business we didn't really understand how, how that might affect us so so what we've done is we've got a GDPR consultant in uh, mm. for a whole day and we just said right go through the whole of our business have a look at everything we do and then you write us a report of, of what we need to do you know in order to, to, to comply with the legislation because actually what we found we didn't have to do quite as much as we as we thought Perry is that is that what you were saying earlier is it's n it may not be as difficult as you think it is just I just get some advice absolutely yeah you should always at least take that first step and, and understand that the, the way the method you've done it's a perfect way of mm. get get an external consultant in to sort of surface all of the areas where you hold the data and what type of data it is and at least start that process. The, the, the messaging and the understanding we get from the ICO is as long as you're on that journey, as long as you're, you are having a duty of care around that data yeah. and trying to fall within the regulations, then you know, they're, they're not going to give you cut your not, slack. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they'll officially say that, but sure. I don't think they're going to give you as much of a hard time as you, yeah. you feel. Yeah. And you're going to have to do it, so everyone has to get on it. Yeah, the, the the Sarah's industry there. I, I think it's devastating to it's them. Tough. Yeah. What sort yeah. of qualifications should someone look for in a GDPR consultant? Because that job didn't exist two years ago. No, we went to a legal firm actually. I would say it'd have to be legal because yeah. otherwise, if they just there's, put out stuff, th and you, there's really only yeah. two industries that are looking at it. Um, it's IT and le legal are looking at it. Um, you get the auditors and the the compliance guys, so the uh, British standards guys that have moved quite heavily mm. into that sector. Um, you, you say what qualifications were we've seen LinkedIn posts where people have been GDR specialists for eight years and it just it wasn't around then yeah absolutely. It's, it's beyond belief <laughs> avoid, avoid them yeah <laughs> oh, um, and Paul how mm, is this going to affect us in terms of all these rubbish phone calls that I get sometimes saying I've been in an accident and all that which really really upsets me yeah it makes me really angry and they're automated and 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 things like getting you know text messages which I really don't want and and emails is, is, is it going to help with that is it going to get rid of some of that do you think I think in the long term yes that's the that's the point of the whole thing and that sort of stuff I think th there will always be nefarious mm. um, people out there doing but is it going to reduce stuff. it substantially it should do I mean that's you know if, ev if everyone adheres to it it's the, it's the adherence yeah. really because you can do something it's had that effect and then you can legislate or um, what do you call it uh, go after them afterwards but it mm. still happened if that makes sense yeah, yeah. hopefully it's a deterrent and also a long term semi-solution because there's still always going to be new things that come up and that sort of thing my argument is a lot of these things are going to be to use a great word obviously again um, around and people um, from what people have told me they're like oh we're just thinking of different coding and all of that sort of stuff because so, you, yeah. you need the key to know the code and that sort of stuff so you can argue there's always ways around things but hopefully people will sort of get the it's idea the, it's the unsolicited is. stuff that we all get angry about yeah I think if I sign up for something I'm, I'm okay with that because I can unsubscribe yeah. but but it's it's I mean, how it, much business is wasted, you know, oh, in terms of time so sorting much. this stuff out? And it was—it never came home to me how bad calls were until I went home for the weekend, and Mum and Dad had like four calls where they literally picked it up and they waited and they just put the phone down. I was like, "Who was it?" And they were, "Oh, it's just a call." And I was like, "Well, you got to wait and is say, that on a landline?" On a landline. I don't have a landline. Me neither. No. But also, I have had them on my phone as well, and mm. I keep getting text messages now as well because you know you just go to a museum, someone them. will sign up, they'll sell it, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Mm. So hopefully, it should it should you know over time do it. It's not going to be a quick off switch. I don't no. think. I also I also heard that uh, there are people who sell, who sell unsubscribe lists. I didn't even know that. 
So if you unsubscribe, mm. they actually sell all that that data of all the people who unsubscribe. Which the point of me unsubscribing is I don't want. My, I don't want yeah, anything. I mean, there's always two ways of looking at it, isn't it? It's like if you if you unsubscribe, someone sells it, and you suddenly get like an amazing deal on something. You're like, I don't mind that, but usually it's rubbish, isn't it? And that sort yeah. of stuff. Mm. But equally, you know, people who sell lists for a living for business, new business, and all of that sort of stuff, those people are going to be in real trouble because half of those lists are, you know, e- they found an email skeleton, they multiplied it up, they checked it with an email checker, and they go business, you know, and it's yeah. not quite. It's not, so yeah, so all of those have got to be um, GDPR compliant, and I think it's gonna hinder some people's businesses. But sure. ultimately, it's not good business to no, do it that it way. Isn't. So I think that's the sort of learning that everyone should be sort of working towards. So before we have um, a little break, um, what do you think? Do you think it's going to get better, Sarah? So we won't be so inundated. I hope so. Um, I, I, I like you get really frustrated by mm. the, the calls and the text messages and the emails that. Um, I haven't had anything to do with necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, hey, um, I, I think sometimes it's a bit compliant, go mad, but um, Maybe it's, it's obviously being put in for a reason and uh, I hope that it will help safeguard ourselves as individuals and businesses. Mm, I hope so too. It drives me nuts. So we're just going to have a little break for a couple of minutes and then we're going to be talking to Lucy and we want to know all about digital grads. See you in a minute. Listen up then. Uh, We never realised that we could get a hefty government payout for innovation. Thought it was just for those high-tech boys down south. Not a down-to-earth bunch like us. We did it, thanks to you lot and the really helpful guys at Breakthrough Funding. Yeah! Sorry, just slipped out. Easy money then, boss. Not at all. It's a cash reward for showing how innovative ideas can reap benefits all round. Your company could qualify for innovation cash too. Find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at BreakthroughFunding.com. Yeah! And you're um, back with us at the Tech Talk Show. I'm with Perry Ashby from Urban Network and Lucy Smith of Digital Grads and my lovely fellow presenters Paul Armstrong and Sarah Luxford. Um, Lucy, before we just... Um, sorry, go back to you. I've just had one other question, Perry. Um, uh, to do, so I've been thinking about this. I nearly escaped that, didn't I? In the break. No, 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 you're not <laughs> escaping. Um, the, how, how painful is it to, to change an IT provider? Is it as bad as getting divorced or changing your bank? Um, I've never been divorced, um, so I, I can't comment on that one, but uh, it shouldn't be at all. Um, m- most people have a some sort of documented onboarding. Obviously, these guys are trying to say it's very easy to come with us. Mm. Um, most professional businesses also have a documented offboarding of how we're going to provide the information in a secure manner to your, your the, the new incoming provider. It shouldn't be, but as with every industry, there are people that. So will it's make a bit it like accountants; they, they they have to transfer to a new provider. They they can't be difficult or, or make it mm. difficult. You know they're supposed to do that, and and then you would work with them and, and then st- start to take that on board. You know and take over stuff at, at, at different times, and and they've presumably got a date where you, you cross over completely. Exactly. Yeah. There's to say they have to, um, they should. You know, just to be professional, you you should you should act in that manner. The, the reality: we're, we've absolutely come into client systems where they simply will not give the password over. Sometimes you can put it down to unprofessionalism. Other times it could just be it's because the client's been withholding settlement of the account okay, or something yeah, similar. Not paying, yeah. So that, you, know, you, you can understand both sides of the story in, in, sure. in that side. Well, if a client hasn't paid, that's fair enough. But if you're just being difficult, call them out, shout them out. 
Uh, Go on social media and say how poor they are. Don't mm, part with sure, that rubbish. Yeah, we, we, we always make direct phone calls to those guys yeah. and try and understand the reason why they're, they're, yeah. they're being difficult. Yeah, is again, it, if a client hasn't settled their account, I understand that. Indeed. So, it, it, yeah. Is it just their ego that's being bruised? There, there, there's different reasons for it, unfortunately. Mm. I always think if we've ever lost a contract or it's gone to another supplier, we're, we're sort of... I think it's really important to find out why and say, you know, great, can you tell us why? Is it something we could do better? And then if they, they've been sold stuff, which is way above what they're going to get, actually they'll come, they will come back to you if, mm. if this person's promised the earth and actually they, they haven't delivered. So, so you know, you've got to play the long game, I think, if somebody does transfer do. out of your business. Yeah. But we never burn a bridge. Um, mm. We will, as much as we can, we'll try and you know, find create that exit interview. You know, why, yeah. why has it happened if, we, if it is because we weren't good enough? That's a great reason to understand yeah. how to improve your business. Mm. So yeah, it's, and it again, Sarah, that's what we're saying earlier, isn't it? Use it as an opportunity. Don't have a sulk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get going. Get going. Yeah. Right, Lucy. Digital grads. So you started digital grads very, very um, well, not very long ago, um, and you've started it to help as many graduates as possible find work, particularly in the digital marketing industry. Um, now, uh, again, Sarah is a bit of an expert on this. There's some real skills gaps, aren't there, at the moment, and people are desperate for, for, for digital skills. So, so why did you why did you start this up? Well, I realised quite early on in my career that um, I was training um, big corporates um, and just saw the apparent lack of digital skills. So, as the technologies moved on, so things like app store optimization, suddenly the in-house teams in publishers haven't got those skills. And I decided to kind of see it as an opportunity when the media were talking about digital skills gap and really had a look at what group of people lacked the most digital skills. And actually, um, it's the grads. They come out of university with 40K debt, and yet they don't have the practical how-to skills that employers really, really want them to have. Um, and it just seems a bit unfair that mm. they've, you know, got this burden of debt on them. Um, and yet, you know, in order to pay it off, they need, they need to go and get a good job. So, so why have these graduates, and, and I'm going to um, completely generalise here, although I know, I know it's not entirely the case. So let's say somebody's, you know, in their early 20s that they've come out with. We obviously have mature students as well. But let's take this sort of, the, the sort of I've, you know, I've had a gap year or I've, I've gone from school to university. Um, if we take that that sort of group of people, why have they not got those skills? I mean, surely that's what that's what the education system's supposed to be doing. Well, I mean, I'm not an expert on university education, so I'd hate to kind of um, just you know, go, on, diss go them. for it. We'll okay. go, we, we don't mind. Go <laughs> All right then. Um, my understanding of the university education education system is that their curriculum um, is updated every couple of years, and because our technology is moving so quickly it's and the skills, up, it's, yeah. it's just hard for them to keep up. Mm. So I don't think it's really their fault. Um, and there are some practical kind of degrees, certainly, but the the vast majority of degrees are not teaching. Mm you know, how to run a Facebook ad campaign, how to optimise an app for the App Store, those kind of things. Um, there's probably more on the kind of software engineering and development side, but for every one of those roles, there are marketers and salespeople sure. that need to be mm. more digitally skilled. Paul, do you think it's because, you know, lecturers are obviously going to be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe, in 60s? And up, uh, yeah. <laughs> and possibly don't actually know this stuff themselves? I think so. 
I think a lot of lecturers get into the game to be a lecturer. You know, that's it. I'm there, I'm done and that sort of stuff. And I think sometimes updating those skills seems like a chore, you know, and that sort of stuff. And like the basics are there, that's what I'm there to do and that sort of thing. They don't make you the most employable person in the room. And we, um, I forget what, the startup. What, a lecturer? Uh, well, a university in general, they don't, their job is not to make you employable per se. It's to give you the skills to go and get a job, right? That doesn't mean that they're going to nail interviews or any of these other soft skills that sort of go around. I think that towards some of what we're saying is like, you know, you, you get to know the sort of bare core of what you should know. So you, so you get technically trained in yeah. your subject area is what you mean. And then the sort of stuff around that sometimes gets a bit missed out. Yeah, but I the mean, core stuff is what's the, what's the issue. I can't imagine any subject history, now you know? that, that where you shouldn't have some level of digital skills around it, surely. No, I agree. I mean, we were the second lot of people to be put through Lincoln University and they rode us hard to like get the read the books, do everything. But they said, by far and away, she goes, the best part of this course is the practical nature of it. Mm. And I did psych and comms, basically. Uh, psych and computing, rather. And um, she goes, this has changed since last year. Yeah. You know, because it's moving so quickly and because of the platforms that we use. So we were really lucky we got that. But I know a lot of um, younger people out there who don't get any training in exactly the sort of stuff that you say. You know, Facebook, again, if you ask a Facebook expert to describe what Facebook is, they'll say, how long do you have? You know, whereas if you're a lecturer and stuff like that, they go, Facebook, omnipotent being, you know, and you'll get the the, the the overview over it but but lucy is it is it that students um, are very good at um doing you know teaching themselves so that, so they know how to take photos and post stuff up and you know so they know how to navigate in, in essence their social mm. uh, uh, side of tech and, and they're very very good at that because they've taught themselves but that there's not that underpinning of you're saying about the stuff that you need for business yeah, I think that's the, the main thing. I mean, they've grown up with this technology, so they, they're good at it. They understand how the platforms work. They won't all know all of them. But the, the big problem is, or the big lack of knowledge, is how do you use that for commercial advantage in a business? Mm -hmm. And how do you apply those skills? So they've got an advantage because they can use the platforms. So if when we get them and shape them and kind of train them, what they produce is fantastic yeah. because they've already got a little kind of step ahead sure. than, than so, I would have so had. So Sarah, does that mean, you know, again, in your sort of recruitment mode, um, does that mean that we have these people who understand the context and, and, and get some of the, the, you know, the language and the vocabulary of, of, of digital and tech? Um, they, they know um, intuitively and they've taught themselves how to apply it in certain scenarios, but they don't understand how that can then translate into business. And worse, the people who are recruiting don't know what they're looking for either. Am I painting a black picture here? No. Yes. <laughs> it's quite a dim picture there, but um, I'd, I'd say uh, that you're probably on the right track, to be honest. Um, when we're looking at graduates coming into um, first-time jobs, um, I think there's a range of issues that, that arise first off and companies need to recognise that uh, investment is needed into those individuals for them to gain mentoring and to gain training. Um, apart from the digital skills, which actually are really, really important, and once um, uh, grads actually get underneath the skin of this and see the fruits of their work, um, then it's really engaging and they can see what the purpose is around that. Um, but the other things that I think e are equally as important is being able to help 
um, our grads with communication skills, yeah. with time management, with um, turning up on time, turning yeah, up on we'll time, prior- prioritizing. Being able to use the phone, that's another good one. <laughs> I like yeah, managing you up. Believe it, the phone. <laughs> managing up is my favourite one because people just do not understand how to do it. No. You'll be surprised how many people we phone up, grads, and they answer the phone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we have to give them a lecture and say, you cannot answer Why the phone like that. Why does university tell them that, though? Why don't they get that training just in the in the real basic It's a one-day course, surely. It's a one-minute course. Yeah. <laughs> one-day course. Um, you know, because that might have been the golden opportunity that they've just missed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's it beggars belief. Mm. And some of the writing, the emails they send to us are... You know, lowercase i, you, letter U for you, and we have to sort of say to them, in fact, we're actually thinking of developing a training course just for business etiquette. Um, oh. Some of them are fab, don't get me wrong. Mm. Some of them less so. But you also have to understand that with um, a lot of the grads, um, they're communicating by emoji only. Um, you know, the utilisation of language That's fine, I've got is... no problems with that. But what you do is at university, you say, right, now we're going out, you know, only final year, we're going out for jobs chaps. Um, this is how you do your CV. This is the sort of letters that you do. Mm. This is interview practice. You know, this is, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Surely that's about mm. making them employable, not just learning technical skills. Absolutely. I totally agree. But um, can any... Can, well, that, well, yeah, but can any of us truly put our hands up and say, um, I had this type of training um, through the careers facility at my university? Mm. At my university, I think we had... Um, there was a... You could book a maybe half-hour session with a careers advisor, but it was... You know, it, it it was just same. They had the top five roles that they wanted to fill. They'd been paid to um, encourage graduates to apply for, mm. um, and that was it. it. They weren't actually taking you in um, into recognition as an individual. And I think that's where actually there's that's why um, I'm so excited about digital grads. I think there's a massive need for it. Yeah, Thank definitely. Um, so if um, if you're saying that some of our grads, you know, technically have learned something, but actually they're not they're not um, job ready let's say so they're not understanding some of the technical stuff that they need for a role as employers are employers sort of saying well that's great i know you've got that over there but i can't find what i want therefore i'm going to employ somebody from you know lithuania france whatever and and that's why we've got such a high number of people with digital skills from other countries because employers aren't going to fill that gap they can't they haven't got time to do it and therefore they're just going to get people from other places I've certainly read about that and heard about that, but I've not experienced that right. firsthand um, through my business. Um, and I'm not sure in the digital marketing field because it's so popular and people do take do other training courses. Um, I think the employers are largely, or certainly the ones that we've been dealing with, are largely happy to train internally or send graduates on yeah. training courses if they need to because because certainly with brexit sarah there there is a little bit of an exodus going on at the moment isn't there that's not been particularly well reported i don't think but there is a bit of an exodus of, of people from from you know the wider european union going back yeah the reason um, and actually um there was a group of individuals within the tech scene who recently signed a letter to the Prime Minister around uh, calling for Tier 2 immigration um, visas to be extended. Uh, and, you know, it, it is a massive concern for us and, and particularly for the tech industry as a whole. Mm. Um, we, we haven't got the skills still. I honestly believe we've got at least a 20-year hiatus um, and we're in big trouble. So, you know, the more that we can help equip our, um, our grads, uh, women returners, 
um, you know, th there's a lot of uh, or individuals who've been um, taken out of work because they're having to care for um, their parents or their grandparents. You know, there's a massive opportunity here mm. if there was a collective centre. And I was really pleased to see recently at the weekend um, the Smart Cities um, campaign with the, the Mayor of London um, and the wonderful new CDO there, Theo Blackwell. They were talking about um, creating a, uh, a kind of a centre for technology and innovation, which can then be able to essentially help um, roll out certain digital skills across the yeah. UK. Uh, you know, we, we we badly need this. If we don't do something now, we're going and to be uh, in big as, trouble. As employers, does that mean that instead of just going and looking elsewhere, you're actually what we need to do? And I think I think that's what you're saying, Lucy, is invest in your own people. You know, why are you not training your own people up? Because because they're there and they're ready. They know your company. So so let's get some more digital skills inside companies yeah. with people you already have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's training the people you've got and training or supporting companies like mine, and there are a few of us who are training, helping graduates get being more well-rounded and ready for work before they come in. So by using us, they are supporting and nurturing those kind of young people. Mm. So, and, oh, sorry. Um, so, so what kind of um, skills would you typically, you know, if I was a grad coming to your organisation, what kind of skills would I be would I be learning? So um, you could choose from social media, uh, marketing training, which is Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, how to generate leads on LinkedIn, um, app store optimization, search engine optimization, uh, PPC, marketing on AdWords, um, and video marketing currently. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> mm, definitely. And, and, and it's quite interesting as well, because you can look at that from both sides of the funnel, can't you? So you've got grads coming up may might not have learned that but you've certainly got people at the top who didn't learn that as well but now maybe being forced to or i would say there's an argument to say even if you're not having that as your job could you put them through it as well so, so they understand it and exactly understand you, what it is at the very least yeah you know and well i always say you've got to understand something to enable someone else to do something usually mm. um so you know a little knowledge is dangerous but it sounds like it's a, it would be a good course for any age to sort of have as well so Probably won't send my mother on it. She's 80, still can't switch her phone on. Um, anyway, that aside, Lucy, have you got any thoughts in terms uh, of advice for graduates as well, in, in terms of internships? Um, we won't go on to the paid and unpaid element of that just for a little minute, but is, is it important to get you know as much job experience as you can, not just do your degree and count on getting a good result there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it shouldn't be the case necessarily, but it is, and employers... I call it the experience conundrum. Employers are looking for you to have experience. So even if your CV says, you know, three months experience in a marketing agency, that's going to carry weight, even if you are making the tea. Um, what I mean, I, I would say focus on skills, because if you can, you don't necessarily have had to have that three months work experience. You can have built your own blog. You can have um, done some copywriting for someone else's blog. You can um, have how to play around on MailChimp, which is an email marketing tool, which is free. And I think doing some of those things shows you're using initiative as well as um, being able to um, cope with like the digital challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know that is almost more worthwhile than sure. having the experience. Although yeah. from an employer point of view, they don't always see it like that. Mm. And um, I'm going to give a call out here to any teacher that's in the UK. If you ever say to your students, 
have a, a little rest over the summer holidays because you're going to be taking your A-levels, you know, and you shouldn't be doing a job. You couldn't be, you couldn't be further wrong mm. from an employer's point of view. You are disadvantaging your students. They must go out and not necessarily have some awful job, you know, where they're working hours and nine. They've got to have that on their CV because an employer, I'm not going to employ you if you haven't. So please don't give that advice to your students. Rent over. Yeah. <laughs> and parents as well, I think. And parents. parents. Get them out the there. responsibility to... Yeah. You know, we all worked when we were younger. So many young people don't mm. now. And I think it's really important. I've got a great story about that. Mm. I was on a panel um, about a month ago at M2020 conference and um, a guy... Uh, who runs his own business was um, chatting away, blah, 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 blah. And then he just said this nugget. And he goes, well, my 14-year-old daughter sells um, T-shirts at um, Glastonbury. Oh, no, it was Reading Festival. And um, I just went, I'm oh, sorry, what? She, what? She's 14 and she's doing what? She goes, yep, he, uh, she designed them with her friend, uh, got them on Alibaba, uh, sells them through an e-commerce site. But also she just found people that were going to Reading who wanted to sell the T-shirts and that. And I went... I need to meet this person. Exactly. What did you do in your life to make her like that? Because we need to sort of foster that sort of environment, That's skills, nice. and that sort of thing. Because all her, all her. Amazing. Yeah, it's good. And I just been. I want to employ that girl. I don't even right? know who she is. Don't or know what who she is. What she, no, that, I want to employ. I just thought it was so fascinating that some people sometimes pick up that baton and run with it and mm. like figure it out and like, you know, oh, this is something I just want to do. How do I do this? You know. Yeah. And they've got that Google in their fingers. I always yeah. describe it as Google in their fingers. They're like whatever question, or they'll be able to like ask someone, mm. or they'll just figure it out. But there are so many people, younger people, who are doing startups and things like that, that have these lack of soft skills that would just literally see them fly. Yeah. You know that sort of stuff. And it might not be doing um, per se a Facebook ad or something like that, but it is literally being able to sit down and have eye contact with someone, or the ability to know that you, spelt with three letters and not one, is the correct sort of way yeah. to do it because it does it gives off that impression i can't tell you the amount of emails i've had with people that have got and i'm guilty of it as well i'll first put my hands up of misspelling stuff but i'll i, I will rack myself for it and that mm. sort of stuff my, 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 my youngest daughter uh, you know when they do that school thing where, where you're not allowed to have vending machines anymore and you have healthy food mm. she used to go to sainsbury's at night when they were like chucking all the donuts and all the chocolatey stuff out and brownies and things like that she used to go and buy them really cheap and she used to sell them at break time in the <laughs> playground oh my god that's a amazing. massive markup and i said to her look i'm really worried about this darling because you know the teachers are going to tell you off and you might get me expelled from school and she said mum some of the teachers, teachers are my are best <laughs> customers <laughs> oh my god that's so hilarious cool. yeah it was so cool um but it, it but it's not it's not just that even if you do go and work in a pub or a restaurant or something like that it's it's I know that that person's capable of getting up in the morning, being there on time, mm. interacting with a, with, a, with a client. So please get some of that on your CV. Mm. Yeah, completely. Mm. So, which I guess comes to back down to that sort of why aren't the universities doing this and that sort of thing. And I, I sort of wrote down two words, fault versus problem. And I think it is the fault of the universities, but it's not necessarily their problem. But until yeah. you sort of go in the rankings of sort of like, because I don't think you ever looked at, or I, I certainly didn't when I was there, and this was a couple of years ago, um, how many people got a job six months out of or three months, six months out of that. I don't think that's a... Yeah, they do, do stats it? on that. The, the, the stats actually for grads are, are, are good at the moment, aren't they? They're quite yeah. good in terms of employment. And the and maybe that's why it doesn't are, need fixing, or, yeah. or the universities don't mm. think it needs to fix it. Well, that, yeah, and the career centres are specifically ta tasked with employability, and that's yep. their figures. Mm. Um, yep. But So, yeah, that's, that's... So I've got some important. figures here. From 2016-17, 90% graduates, more than 90% of graduates were in work or further study within six months of leaving university. Excellent. 
how employable they are, of course, isn't measured. But, but the fact is now they're getting into jobs, which, which is a good measure. It's good, but I don't want them at that stat underneath, which says they earn nine and a half grand more, you know, and that sort of thing. I want more, no, more, more than, than that, non, you know. Non-graduates, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I want them to be like going in and be like, I want you to be fought for, mm. you know, and that sort of thing. Not because you've got a Squarespace site and that sort of thing, because you strategically understand how to ask questions of business, you know, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I think it's interesting. But I, 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 but I do have utter faith in young people. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I think there's loads of other things that, 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 that they're really great at. They want to work for people who, you know, are authentic, that have got environmental credentials. And, and so, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not saying they're all bad, but I just want to make sure that they're, they're more employable really, and give us more. Don't you think, Sarah? I mean, yeah, great bunch of people. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's, I want, just, it's just showing a bit of initiative and yeah. uh, speaking up and going out there. And, and showing what they're made of underneath, yeah. which they're, undoubtedly they are. Yeah. So, Well, you can't believe this, but run out of time again. Oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, Lucy, if anybody wants to know about digital grads, uh, they go on to digitalgrads.com. That's correct, yeah. And... Um, you're trying to help as many grads as possible find work. If you do feel you're lacking in some of those areas that we've just been talking about, um, it's great to go on there and get some extra help because actually as employers, we look at CVs and you wouldn't believe how many they are absolutely similar and it's quite hard to differentiate. So give yourself an edge and and go on to digital grads. Um, Thank you very much, Lucy. Thank you. And um, Perry Ashby, Urban Network, I've taken away from this that we need a little practice at work. We're going to have a little... You know, Indeed. fire drill, as you call yeah. it. Yeah, Pro- prove that the concept is correct. Proof that you can recover. Absolutely. And if you if you want to know more about um, urban network um, and going onto the cloud and some of the issues around cybersecurity, of which I've learned quite a lot today, you need to go onto urbannetwork.co.uk. And um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, very good fun. And of course, my lovely co-presenters, uh, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. See you next week, yeah, Paul Armstrong. Caught me on the way there. Did I? Oh. <laughs> and um, Paul is the author of Disruptive Technologies, if you want to get into that. I've been reading that. It's very good. And thank you so much, Sarah, of Tech London Advocates. Keep doing that sterling work. We love you. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> um, you've been listening to the Tech Talk show. And as you know, we're syndicated in lots and lots of places. Um, if you want to listen to us any time, you can download us from our website, which was techtalkshow.co.uk and you can find us on Twitter at techtalkshowuk and if you want to uh, yeah you can download us on uh, iTunes on your podcast app and we very much look forward to joining you next week bye now